Welcome to the Rodeo Adventure Labs podcast. This is going to be a special edition mini-series where we have quite a few people that are actually going to the 2021 version of the Atlas Mountain Race in Morocco in October. So Stephen and I thought it would be really interesting if we brought everyone together and just started a mini series where people can talk about their prep and what they're thinking, their bikepacking experience, what they want to try out, how they want to do things like that. So, uh, this is hopefully episode one of a mini series, uh, that will just kind of be the same reoccurring theme of the Atlas mountain race or AMR as we'll probably shorten it when we want to quickly talk. Um, so yeah, I think that's, and end of bikepacking in general. Yeah. Bikepacking in general. So we might talk about uh, tune-up trips uh, that we might be doing just to get a feel for it. But I think that's the general gist of what we want to be doing here. This is our hopeful mini-series for the race that hopefully happens. Yeah, uh, there is no guarantees. <laughs> uh, but it's in October. As of today, at least in some places of the world, things uh, appear to be uh, trending in an optimistic direction with vaccination rates and et cetera. So there's cause for optimism. Um, and if if we don't get a go, that'd be a huge bummer. But, you know, we're all taking everything one step at a time every day right now. So we signed up. Um, cool. Let's intro. Yeah, let's let's do it. Uh, let's see. Ashley, do you want to start first? Yeah. Sure. Um, Ashley Carolock. I am a bikepacking enthusiast <laughs> from uh, Dolores, Rachel. Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> but what's the real name of your real Actually, name? I really live in Areola. That's true. Ariel, Colorado. Uh, and Ashley uh, is, of course, a veteran last year of the Arkansas High Country Race where she had an incredible ride and second overall um, and just, yeah, wowed us all. So that was pretty major. And I don't know, when I thought of Atlas Mountain Race, I thought, I wonder, I wonder if she wants to go to that. We can continue on with that. We'll all kind of do how we get into this, how we got into it again. Um, why are we here? But all right, next David. I am Wave the Wheel. <laughs> my pseudonym. I, I don't know if I'm comfortable with everyone knowing my full name. That's okay. a, that's, How that's about a David? Lot. David is perfect. All right. Can we, uh, can we have like the, the voiceover track for like witness protection so you don't even get the sound of your real voice here? I think that would be appropriate. <laughs> even though David is appearing on a podcast, he would prefer that nobody actually know who he is. Uh, Exactly. There, yeah. But uh, he's a dude that. Uh, all right, give us some background about yourself, though. Yeah, I mean, I love bikes. I've been biking since I was a little kid. Um, took a little hiatus in some middle years doing rock climbing, as Ashley and I were talking about earlier, and then got back into bikes. Um, it's what I love. <laughs> like, period. Bikes are awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> this is going to be a lot of fun. And also miserable. Um, bike packing background. I've been on one bikepacking adventure last year where we didn't quite succeed. And, you know, that's okay. That happens. You got, you got your learnings and your successes. We're going to take trial two here pretty soon and 
You know, I think the the difference in mentality from a bikepacking adventure versus, say, some rowdy mountain bike or long gravel ride or whatever is just night and day different. And it's a lot of mental mental solitude and enjoyment. And that's that's what this is going to be, I think. Cool. Okay. Peter. I'm Peter Horner, uh, and this is my first backpacking trip. And uh, we'll see how it goes. So um, I'm a newbie to this, and uh, I've done some bike touring in the past, but very different with panniers than with bags on the bike. And so uh, I'm excited about it. Um, I've been around doing sort of amateur racing for quite a while now and looking to, to try something different. Ironically, Peter, I used to tell you I don't want to go on any of your trips because I don't like putting things on my bike. <laughs> I remember, I remember you saying that. I just want my bike to be simple and pure. Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> that was a decade ago. That's exactly right. Now I want my bike to be complicated. <laughs> I remember you used to like looking at me like, "Why would you carry all that stuff and yeah. go on no, these I, tours? Do, do we get to sleep in a hotel? That was one of my questions. <laughs> I want to sleep outside. I still don't. Um, yeah, and then Nick. Uh, yeah, uh, Nick Gilroy here, uh, the the host of the podcast. Uh, I'm I'm going Atlas Mountain Race. Apparently, uh, I think there was even an episode where I said I wasn't even sure if I was interested in bike pack racing. Uh, I think that was actually the episode where we talked uh, to Ashley and Seth. So, a uh, few episodes later, here we are. I am signed up for a bike packing race. Uh, last year, uh, jumped in with two feet. Um, and I think did, I don't know, maybe three or four different bikepacking trips last year. Uh, definitely, definitely got the bug. I really, I like the perspective shift of just riding for a different reason. Um, it's also just a completely different mentality. Um, but I think that Morocco is just a, it's a pretty big perspective shift. I think seeing Steven do it last year was extremely exciting to follow along uh and i think i don't know i i wanted to try something pretty out there outside of the comfort zone um so we'll see what happens i think that's an interesting statement the biggest shift i think the biggest shift for me is i probably should not huck anything yeah do not we should no, <laughs> there should be no getting air i've gotten air on many bikepacking races well, I mean, I've, most... only done, I've only done three, but I'm just saying. Okay. You're our champion. Uh, <laughs> you can do whatever you want. <laughs> I was definitely. I want to follow Ashley's line. I was definitely getting air on the Colorado Trail Race. I will tell you that. That's awesome. <laughs> um, you're probably on a mountain bike. I, um, I, yeah, I was on. I was on a full suspension. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think, I don't know, Nick, uh, I think it's kind of interesting, like a little bit of how did we get here, um, meaning how did everyone arrive at doing this? And, you know, for the interest of time, we'll, we won't make it super long, but everyone has a different route to the point that we are right now, uh, and none of them are the same. Uh, so I think it'd be cool to talk about, all right, how do you go from either you're a veteran like Ashley and you've gotten your feet wet and I've done a race uh, and then... We've got, you know, uh, David, you've done a bikepacking trip. To Peter, you haven't bikepacked at all, and yet we're all going to go do this thing in another country. Uh, yeah, that seems, seems interesting to mine. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the stories of how everyone got here is, is something to dig into. Yeah. 
All right. Who wants to go first? Nick, you're up. Ooh. Oh, wow. <laughs> turning, turning the mic on me. Um, I was going to almost say Peter in the interest of time, but... Um, I can go after you. Okay. Uh, how did I get here? I don't know. Um, I, I, I think, like I said, just doing some of those bikepacking trips, uh, they were not races, um, just really opened up a different style of riding. Uh, you know, when you, when someone like picks up a bike, you know, they like to do this like bike test and they're like, Oh wow, this bike is, is light. It's going to feel really good. Um, and then when you go bikepacking, you load it all up and you're like, wow, this bike is super heavy. You know, I feel like that bike test is, doesn't really work anyway, but, uh, when you're bikepacking, it's easy to get daunted because you're like, wow, my bike all of a sudden weighs, uh, 50 pounds. I mean, it's the difference of Ferrari versus Cadillac. (laughs) Well, it's, and that's where I'm going with that is it's a plush ride. Right. And so I think when it really clicked for me was at one point I'm on a, a, a fully loaded trail donkey riding a section of single track. And it was the most thrilling thing I've ever done. Um, I mean, I've ridden that same section without any of the bags. Um, probably went a lot faster too, but there was just the feeling of like, I've got it. I've got everything I need. And I could look over in that bush over there and there off to my right. And if I wanted to sleep there tonight, I could, and it would be no big deal. Um, and I think that was just a really powerful feeling. Uh, obviously that's a pretty big jump though, to just kind of go from your backyard to Morocco. Um, I think Steven, Steven said the race got moved, uh, from its original date in February to October. And I think that was when the wheels started turning because historically I don't really like riding big miles through the winter. So training for something in February would have been incredibly difficult. So I think the October timeline was just right. Choice. Yeah. And you heard about it and you went to the website (laughs) and sent somebody some PayPal and you're in? No, it was a lot more complicated than that. Uh, I totally, because... Obviously, the race was planned to happen in February. There was a there was an open registration. Um, I don't know, maybe October, November. Yeah, it was a while ago. And so, obviously, it was fully closed. Um, and I was like, "Wow, the race got moved, but there's no way to get in." Um, and that didn't stop me. I, I reached out to to Nelson. I sent him a really nice email, and I said, "If there's any way, any way that I could be added to the wait list, I would be extremely grateful." And it just went from there. So you said, I'm, I'm a pretty big deal, uh, so let me in. <laughs> no, no. It was very, very self-depreciating and humble and, and saying, you know, I might, I don't know, like I, I haven't done a bikepacking race, but this is something I would really like to do. So if, if I could be on that wait list. And I think there were like two hours of prep lead-in of study before even emailing to understand what AMR is and be able to like pass pass that email right like yeah i mean so nelson was like yeah this is great and you know happy to add you to the wait the wait list like no big deal but to be added you actually need to fill out your form as if you were already signed up and in so then it just makes it a really easy process i was like that sounds great send the stuff i'll do it and uh yeah you know nelson sends it over and it's i mean i you know i'd be actually curious to see how long everyone took but i took like five hours on a saturday just reading through this, um, I had talked to Stephen about it, so I had some ideas of like what he had, you know, the experience he had gone through on his application form last year. But 
it was very personal. It was like, it was asking, you know, very real questions of like, it, it was more than, you know, your standard, like, oh, like, let me go do Leadville and I sign up and here's my credit card number. It was like, what are you going to do if you're in a desert environment and it's a hundred degrees and you're out of water and you're experiencing dehydration? Or what are you going to do if you're on top of a mountain and there's inclement weather, whether it's rain or snow, and you're starting to get hypothermic? How do you respond to those types of events? And that was, I mean, that's why I took five hours because I was like, I need to think about these things. There's obviously a lot more questions. There was kind of some checks, like how many, how much distance between stops, just kind of getting you oriented to all that. But it was a very thoughtful experience. It was very different. It was very real. Um, and also made you think like, wow, shit could actually go wrong there. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, I think it's, it's valuable from a Nelson standpoint of helping people be comfortable with AMR. It puts us in a situation of understanding more in depth of the race. And, and Nelson shared, hey, it's, this is a 45-minute thing. And I, I think anybody who fills that out in 45 minutes is somebody who's not digging in deep to really understand what's going on. So I agree with you on the, t- on the time investment because you know when you do something like a Leadville, if you're truly racing it to win, you know, you're looking in, okay, where am I dropping bottles? Where am I doing this? Like, how am I making myself? Where, where's my pit crew going to be to be as efficient as possible, right? And you look at AMR, and it's like, okay, I don't know about Nick, but I'm not racing to win. I'm right? not racing to win at all. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so the mentality is not, how, how do I do this to optimize my efficiency? It's how do I do this to optimize my success rate? And success rate is finishing surviving, finishing alive, right? Like that's, that's success rate. So that's a totally different mentality than something that's 10 hours, eight hours, seven hours, depending upon how fast you are in a Leadville person versus five days, at least for what I'm looking at five days, right? That's yeah. <laughs> totally yeah. different experience. A hundred percent. Um, so you sent that in five hours of nervous Research. Question answering and research. <laughs> you send it in, and then he responds thirty minutes later. Uh, no, you know, no, uh, I don't know actually where Nelson lives. I know that he's in at least a European time zone. Maybe it's the UK. Stan. It's definitely a Stan country. Okay. Uh, GMT plus three. Yeah. So you know, there was always like a day to two days between uh, email responses between the both of us, just between time zones and stuff, but. Um, I do think despite all that, he was actually very super prompt about it all. And, um, I think it was maybe like three days later, he was like, I got it. And you know what? You're in. Wow. Um, I don't even think I was on the wait list for very long. Like it was like, cool. you know what? I'd be happy to have you at this race. Um, which was cool. Yeah. And then I, I told, (laughs) I told you guys and, uh, it just kind of happened. Um, I think you appeared slightly stricken in the doorway. (laughs) Like, I'm in. (laughs) yes yes the plan is coming together i'm ruining everyone's lives uh how about you ashley uh different different approach angle i think um definitely so i started racing um i did my first race in 2015 it was a 10-hour fat bike race um so you know that's kind of a, a a different different thing to start for your first and i ended up winning first overall in the women's and second, second overall. And Travis Brown won first. And I felt, I didn't know who he was. And someone told me it's Olympian Travis Brown. I was like, Oh, I guess that's pretty, I guess I did pretty good then, you know, to get second to him. And then I started doing shorter races because everyone just figured, Oh, she did this 10 hour ride and she did so well. She'll do short. And I threw myself into the pros 
of the Epic Ride series. And I would always kind of come in like, oh, middle of the road and um, did okay. Ended up getting a pro license in um, USAC USAC for uh, cross country and continued kind of down that route. But in the back of my mind, I was always like, this is just not, this is, I love this, but I don't think I'll ever be this. You know what I mean? Like I just knew deep down at the pit of my stomach. And um, whiskey off-road. Meaning like, meaning like a pro XC rider? Yeah, I just, it, it just wasn't my calling. I, I can't, I, I enjoyed it. I'm not bad. I mean, I wasn't bad at it. You know, I didn't do it that long and did pretty well, I guess. But I, I just, I don't think I would ever get that much better than be kind of middle of the road, you know, which is still great, you know, but I, um, I'm real competitive and I like to win, you know, <laughs> um, and I remember it was, it was whiskey off road 2018. And I, in the middle of the race, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to, I think I want to do the Colorado trail race, which is 500 miles. And I'd been mountain biking for three years. And I figured, why not? It's my home. I'm going to do this. And so after I finished the race, I did okay. And I look at my, what's that? (laughs) You, you caught air, which is. Oh, I I totally got some air, you know, (laughs) and and then, and then I, I finished out that season racing for the Amy D foundation doing shorter races. But in my, my main goal was that Colorado trail race in late July. And I ended up doing that and doing really well and, um, just really loved it. And then after that, I decided the next year in November, um, I wanted to do something to give back to the community. So I wanted to raise money. And I thought, how could I raise money for Little Bellas, which is um, something for uh, little girls, mountain biking, um, kind of mentoring groups. Anyway, I, I wanted to give money to them. And, and so I thought, oh, you know what? I'll do a bikepacking race somewhere cool and raise money. And so... I went to Chile and did a cross Andes. That was my second bikepacking race and did really well in that too. And ended up raising like $5,000 to start a little Bella's chapter, which was the best. Well, that's um, fantastic. Yeah. And, and then after that, once I did so well at a cross Andes, I, I think I knew, and I, and I just loved it so much. Like I couldn't wait to get on another bikepacking trip and, um, yeah, then COVID hit, and I, I thought, you know what? I'm going to still try to do a bikepacking race, and that's how I ended up doing high, Arkansas High Country, um, which was, at that point, I was riding for the Rodeo Labs team and um, how I met, you know, Stephen. And then he, after I did that and podcast, and I get this email from Stephen, hey, would you be interested in doing the um, Atlas Mountain Race? And I was already looking at that race, and I knew that it was full, and I was kind of sad that it was, and I thought, I think I I probably responded like within two seconds yeah, after you were getting fast. the email. By the way, <laughs> heck, I, yes. I was just like <laughs> faking it till I make it. Like I didn't know if you could do it or not. But I mean, the place to start is: Would you like to? And then like, because I had been watching the reschedule, just knowing you know it wasn't going to happen for February. And then as soon as that email hit or whatever the message board lit up and they said, move to October, I kind of snapped into action thinking, all right, who are these people that I know um, that it would be really cool if they were able to have this experience? And yeah, you were the first, I was just like, all right, Ashley, go. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, you were, you were quick. You were oh like, yeah. Yes. It's what, it's one, I think last year I had seen it and, um, it's always been a place that I've wanted to visit. It seems like a cool culture, really beautiful people. And 
uh, beautiful landscapes. And so I was, I, I, I think I like immediately called my husband, Hey, Stephen said, you know, <laughs> there's an opening, maybe I want this. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about it. It's kind of the goal, the goal race of the year. I think now if it happens, I think hopefully. I hear like <laughs> eight, eight woots. She's got eight woots in that. Yeah. Eight woots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, on my side, I asked you, and then I sent a similarly toned email to Nelson, and I said, hey, I saw the race was rescheduled today. Um, What are the odds of, like, putting in uh, some backup applications if other people have to pull out because the dates change? And I also said... You know, it's a big bummer. I'm I'm not happy that it got changed. Like, it's got to be a bummer for you. I wasn't like, yay, it got changed. It was more like, hey, super tranquilo, no pressure, kind of like what Nick was, you know. But but if there's a backup thing, I have some some people, you know, in my mind that I would love to see apply. And, and I, I actually said, there's really one person who should do it more than anyone else, and that would be Ashley because she just had this phenomenal ride at this thing. So if there's any way, like, She's a female, and I just think having more women in bike pack. Just, I was just so excited about just the possibility after you said yes. So I sent that off to Nelson. He was pretty quick to get back. Actually, he made fun of me when he got back and <laughs> said, um, "I talked to you at the finish, and you said you're never doing this again," <laughs> uh, and which is totally true. And I, and I said, "Well, you know, time heals something. Time um, heals, or you forget." <laughs> Yeah, and and on the spot he was like, "Yeah, um, we we can get Ashley in." Oh, uh, I, I appreciate like, it. All right, <laughs> I'm so That's thankful. <laughs> What's interesting uh, before we get to Peter is that um, you said yes, but then you had to circle back ah. and do a little soul searching and research. And I think this is really critical because you're coming from a woman's perspective and women had different experience last year at the race. At least some did. So can you tell us a little bit about that? I did. So when I was reading the entire race manual, which is thorough and I appreciated that from Nelson, uh, there was a section on women possibly getting accosted, not, you know, assaulted or anything, but you know, maybe some touching or some, some advances from some of the men and not in the race, but, uh, in the local population. In the local population, least, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that kind of just sent some alarms off in my head. I don't, um, I don't want to ever put myself in a position, you know, where something bad could happen. And I, I think about that all the time. You know, I am doing these races. I've got a GPS tracker that could, someone could find me pretty, pretty easily, you know. And um, if if the worst hap, worst case happens, what am I going to do? So that that did kind of come into my mind, and I and I went ahead and reached out to some of the um, to you first, and then to to Nelson, just asking, uh, you know, what what did you think about this? And then you gave me an email um, of a of a woman who had previously written it, and she yeah, had all co- yeah she had all positive things to say, and so after that, it kind of calmed some of my fears, and I thought, you know, I, I am going to go ahead with this. I will, I will be bringing maybe something to wrap around my legs. And if I'm going into more of a conservative town, I want to be, I want to be respectful of their cultures and the differences. Um, if need be, I'm not, I'm still researching on that, but it is a little bit different as a woman. I, I will, I will throw that out there. Yeah. 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 Something to keep in mind. Um, cool. All right. I feel like we should, uh, 
definitely invite Peter into the loop here because he's the most time constrained. Mm. Um, by the way, it's really interesting finding a spot that five people can talk at the same time in the modern world. So we did it, <laughs> but we're short on time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Peter, uh, give us a little. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, Ashley, uh, I think you're going to have a great time there. I've been to Morocco twice, and I'll tell you a little bit about that. I kind of that kind of uh, leads into how I became interested in the race. Um, in 2017, my wife and I, to celebrate our 20th anniversary and uh, her getting over some major health issues, we did a bike tour in Morocco. And it was very different than racing the AMR, I'll tell you. It was a Butterfield. Well, you don't know yet. It was Butterfield and <laughs> Robinson. We had, you know, porters. We had uh, everything cooked for us, wine uh, every night. It was fantastic. I mean, it's absolutely great experience. But one of the things it did is it really solidified my love for the country of Morocco and the Berber people. Um, I, I mean, just just you you get off the plane in Marrakesh and it's all of a sudden a completely different uh, world and experience um, from the West. And the people are lovely; they're welcoming. In fact, um, you know, going to a new culture, you never know you never quite know what to expect. And um, I think despite our best intentions, like we have preconceived notions of how things might be um, based on our own past experience. And um, I remember getting off the plane and I have my bike in a, in a soft case and we get into the queue at the airport to try to get uh, a ride to the hotel. And um, I'm the only one that has a bike. So she's riding one of the Butterfield Robinson hybrid bikes. So, but I brought my own Speedwagon bike at the time, I didn't have a Rodeo Labs bike. Um, but I get off the plane and we get in the queue and all the cars in the in the queue at the taxi stand are like Toyota Tercels. Um, and they're like 20, 30 years old. And somehow this guy goes, oh yeah, I, I can I can get your bike in the back of this Toyota Tercel. I'm like, and my wife, and our bags. And somehow we did. And I have no idea how he fit all that stuff in this thing. I mean, like, it was absolutely amazing. You said to dent your frame. <laughs> exactly. Is that where that dent came from? <laughs> no, no, no I wreck a lot. So that's probably where that came from. But, um, but seriously, though, um, I was so excited. We got to the hotel, we get out, and I, I left my camera bag on the uh, floorboard because uh, I was sitting next to the driver in the front seat and um, I was getting going towards the hotel and the driver came after me and goes sir sir you forgot your camera you know and um, at that point I was just like I mean this is like a $2,000 camera you know and I was like wow these people are amazing I mean all of a sudden you know this bombed out like Tercel thing that he somehow got my bike into like, and he's just so nice, you know, gave me my camera back. Um, when, you know, uh, it was just very, very thoughtful and very endearing to me to the people. And then later getting a chance to meet some of the Berber people in the villages on a hike and, and, uh, having mint tea and all that. I mean, it's, it's really magical. And Steven, you had, you know, some of those experiences too. And I think you, um, realize that the people are very generous and kind and, and the, you know, the, Arabic culture is very welcoming and hospitality is a huge part of their um, culture. So, I mean, I think I've heard, we've read stories and talked to people who had, very, you know, very interesting, nice experiences, I think, with the AMR race, uh, you know, people having been invited in for meals and, and whatnot. So um, when the race came up um, last year, I 
found out about it too late. Uh, and Stephen got in, but I didn't, even though you know it was past registration and whatnot. And he had a really great race. I think he did a fantastic job. Um, and so hearing his stories, uh, it just solidified my interest in the race. And then I kind of put it out of mind though, because I, uh, a February race for me is just is just no no way with my practice. Just training through the winter time in Colorado was just no way I could do it. But since it got moved to October. Um, when Stephen let me know that it was going to happen, I was really excited, and I thought that's going to work. So put in my application. Took thirty five minutes. Um, wow! And <laughs> you, you speedy, no, no medical precision of a doctor. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but uh, it, it did take so it took a while, you know. Um, uh, but uh, you know, going through that race packet. Uh, was really, really good for me because, uh, you know, he, he's really trying to get uh, a sense of the riders, uh, of their responsibility, of their thinking on their head. You have to have some common sense to be able to do this race, safe, uh, I think, safely. I think overall the race is going to be safe and fine, but I think there are opportunities where things could go sideways. And Nelson wants to make sure that, you know, we're safe and he's going to um, have a bunch of, you know, people on the race course that have a pretty good head on their shoulders. So I, th I think there's some pre-selection, some selection there, um, with, uh, with the candidates. So I was really, uh, thankful that Nelson let me in. Um, and, um, you know, I, with the medical background, I can, you know, potentially help someone if I run across them. I mean, yeah, it's a race, but it's also, uh, an experience I think. And, um, you know, I, I really don't, know how it's going to go. Uh, my first bikepacking race, and I'm excited. Um, I, I cannot tell you how excited I am. So, The the photos that you're all going to see about this show the smile right now on Peter's face. He's <laughs> definitely lit up. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the point you made, too, about, I mean, I think for Ashley, it's clear it's a race because um, you're competitive. No, no pressure. No pressure. Yeah. No, but no, I think, no, don't worry. That's just who I am. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like that about me. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> You know, but Peter, what you said, like, that's why I'm going. It's an experience. Like, yes, it's a race, and the race environment will, will push you to a certain degree. Um, right. You know, you're not going to be too casual about things, and there is a running clock. But I'm definitely not going to win. I'm going to actually have yeah. a potentially, you know, very life-changing experience, you know? Right, exactly. And I also, exactly. just to chime in um, about, you know, being a woman, it was it was comments like yours, both of yours, and other things that I have read on online about the people and the culture in Morocco of how welcoming it was and how, how just how beautiful is what I kept hearing that word, beautiful people inside and out. And, and that, that Absolutely. was really what changed after that alarm, by the way, really changed it for me that I, I've got to do this. Like I have to, I have to do this race. So I'm, I'm just glad to hear that again. Oh yeah. And I mean, we haven't even talked about the Berber, the food yet. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know about race food and, you know, weird yogurts and stuff and from the stands uh, there, Stephen, that you survived on somehow. Yeah. But the omelets and the tagines and the couscous, I mean, it's just, you know, amazing. Are they better omelet eggs than Ashley's? Ooh. I mean, she has, that, that's going to be a hard bar to. Only Ashley know. can answer that after the race. I'm, I'm gonna, I know, and I can't eat the couscous because I have celiac disease. It's a little bit of a harder thing for oh, me. Man. Nutrition is definitely yeah. a... 
<laughs> yeah, so what are you going to do then, food and nutrition-wise? I mean, that's a big barrier. Uh, Peter and I kind of have both gone vegan for the majority of our diets, and so for me, right. that's a little bit on pause for yeah. AMR. Like, I'm going to bring right. stuff Maybe. to help with dairy, but I mean, for you, it's, if it's an actual disease, like mine's a choice, yeah. right? So that's we could, we could almost do like a whole episode on food. We might have to I, come back and do that. I'm also a vegetarian, <laughs> yeah. so um, I'll eat. You know, I'll eat, I I do fish, eggs, and yogurt. But I won't do any meat for actually. New, I get really bad indigestion. I can't. I can't eat meat. <laughs> so wow. Yeah, I yeah, have. yeah. It it does create issues, you know, with racing and uh, bikepacking. And that and that's what, that's the beauty of bikepacking racing is that each person is different. Each race is going to be different, and you have to approach it with a multi multi level ideas and and goals. And also kind of put some stuff aside, you know, like you're mostly vegan. You might not be able to do it at this race. And um, that that's exactly. one of the things I love about it. And, and also, you know, the fact that y- if stuff goes wrong, what are you going to do? What are your, what, how are you going to think on your feet? That's the beauty of bikepacking and bikepack racing. So food is one thing. I don't know about thing. all y'all, but. Peter Peter committed to being my porter. So I heard this thing about a porter <laughs> and, and this stuff in Morocco. And so I'm excited because like, it's going to be great. I got a doctor and a porter. I mean, what, what could go wrong? <laughs> Are you at the same event? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got the Butterfield and Robinson follow van? Yes. Yeah. All right, David, uh, how'd you get here? Yeah, my story is not as eclectic as everybody's. Um, you know, I think there was a little bit of FOMO for sure. You know, people sharing how the excitement. Um, Let me jump in real quick. Yes, uh, please. Because there's some context here. I I mentioned this to people that I know who I thought would be interested. When the date was moved, I very indirectly just put it put the seed out there. Hey guys. It's been moved, um, but I didn't... Full stop, that was it. Yeah, it wasn't like, hey, everybody, we should all get into this race because who even knows if that's possible? And then B, I didn't say to anybody, you should do this. I don't even think I told everyone or very few people that I was going to try and do it again. I mean, at that point, at that point, you were not going to try and do it again. This right. was I didn't want to really encourage anyone to do it because I just felt like that desire to do it needs to be somewhat it needs to come within you instead of externally through external pressure you should do this versus i see that and i know that i want to do it and i want to pursue it so i i was pretty passive about mentioning it to people so i mentioned it to all of you but then i i kind of let it go uh and then s- some people picked up you know pretty quickly on it like nick um Ashley, you know, you were a little bit different. I definitely was like, gosh, I really hope she wants to do this uh, because you've, you've experienced the horrors uh, and you, you like this stuff. So I, didn't, I wasn't worried. Um, but with everyone else, I, I didn't say, hey, everybody, let's all get on a plane and go. To, you know, it was more like, hey, the date's been moved. And then I thought that's just enough for someone who wants to do it for their own reasons to cue in and maybe send that, hey, Nelson, is there a wait list email and go from there. And that way... You know, good or bad, whatever happens, it's all every everybody owns their own experience and wanting to do it. So, I think that's important to add to your thing, David, because you you didn't jump in right on that wave of I'm in. You were sort of yeah. Nick was first out of the little group, right? Well, you were well, Peter. You kind of you were definitely first. Yeah. Peter was first. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Peter like, was first. Peter was in. Yeah. But I, oh, I yeah. 
And I you think, and I had some back and forth. You and I talked about it a lot, you know, and you before you went. So I remember that Peter literally was like, day one, dates moved, <laughs> boom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, sure. But then I think after that, then, yeah, I was in. And then... And this is weeks between each event, uh, each person yeah. getting in. There's a fair amount of time. Months. Passing. There was a month between you and I at least, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. So people were sort of at different spots on the wait list, and there was no back-channeling like hey, this is this posse Nelson. I don't have any pull with anybody. Um, so yeah. I didn't get, you know. Make you have any. pull with me. Yeah, uh-huh. just with my friends. But like, I, <laughs> there's no collusion here yeah. to like get a massive rodeo squad in. And I kind of wonder like, how do we get this lucky? And I have no idea. Only Nelson knows why he and who he lets in um, and what gets approved. So I'm sure, and I'm saying that because I know there are other people still on the wait list. And when I read comments, there are still people asking, how can I get in? How can I apply? I don't really know the answer to that. My only answer is you be very polite. You you ask to be on the wait list and then you set your expectations at zero. Um, yeah. And then if a good thing happens, it does. But, um, and that, you know, so a good thing happens. So David, so you were kind of watching some other people yeah, talk I mean, about it. I think there's some element in this, you know, I, I'm not a social media hound, but I am a social media voyeur. <laughs> <laughs> a lurker. <laughs> so, you know, I, I have a couple people that I look at their Instagram photos and those kinds of things, and it's, it's exciting. So looking at some of them last year, right, looking at the adventures Nick was doing, bikepacking, and that looks fun, right? That looks exciting. That, that looks like an experience I want to have. So take that into then doing, say, the most Apelli. Didn't quite finish Cocapelli that time. We made, I think, a smart choice of, of bailing and not getting hammered with some Not weather. dying, really. Yeah, yeah we, we, we lived. It was a good choice. <laughs> That's a um, history we have. Yeah. <laughs> it, fantastic experience, that. right? And for me, the hardest decision point after, well, so prior to that, yeah, people are talking about this. You dropped the seed. Peter's in immediately. Nick was on the fence and then Nick goes and I'm like, man, like a a shared experience, right? So for me, a lot of biking, a lot of cycling, you know, when I used to rock climb a lot, it was a, it was a posse. You can't rock climb alone, right? Mm. Um, You could, if you're bouldering, but I never really was into bouldering, but you you don't do it alone. You're, you're with a culture, like-minded people, and you're having a shared experience. And that's one of the things I've enjoyed about kind of our little cycling group is it's like we're doing things together. We're enjoying companionship. You're sharing ideas and pain and fun and all these things. And you look at AMR and I'm like, but wait, I can't ride with you. Nobody wants to go as a pair. Like, yeah, does, any, no. does anybody anybody want to be my pair, my 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 partner? My- you were the most interested in doing a duo oh, team for sure. If I'm gonna have low moments, I want them to be with by myself. I don't want someone else to be impatient with me. Well, I mean, the, I've done races as a pair, and the, the funny thing about that is, at different times, one of you is ultimately low, and. You could have lean on the other person, and then, then it switches, right? It's usually not both of you. There's usually kind of a so, – so I was going in with that mentality. Hey, which one of you wants to ride with me? And that was a total non-starter. I got shot down by – Actually, for the record, you didn't ask me. I would have taken you up on You would have taken me up? <laughs> you were already in, though. <laughs> But I think, Stephen, you were the most vehement about shooting me down on that, right? <laughs> I, I just, I need, like Nick said, I need a safe space to uh, crumble and have my own moments and or, or surge, you know, irrationally and just, you know, sparkle and fade. Uh, but it's, you know, it's, I guess I'm kind of there to have 
a bit of a solitary experience. It's not right. entirely. There's there's a huge chance that you run across everyone out there at one time or another, and you you are allowed to sort of at times ride next to each other. Um, you just you can't collaborate. You can't draft. You can't help each other. So we could see each other, but I think it takes the pressure off of me just to just to know that it's safe for me. To, to do poorly. <laughs> yeah, so Stephen's right. new nickname is going to be Sparkler. <laughs> we need to we need to work work on that, like bright fizzle and pop. Yeah. So the duo thing for me, you know, again back to my mentality around cycling culture. It's 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 a it's an experience I like to have. Um, the first couple times I did Leadville, it was like, hey, I want to do this with my brother. That was the whole reason for doing Leadville. It was like I'm doing this race with my brother. And then the subsequent times, like I've done it seven or eight times now, uh, we're all about, okay, this is me, right? I'm doing this. And, you know, some of my best Leadville experiences have not been about time. They've actually been about kind of being there. Like there was a year my brother and I did it and it was a very slow year. It was like 11 hours something. We chilled. It was fun. Like it was a fantastic experience. And then there were years that were sub nine, me going into that dark space and just being like, I'm, I'm crushing this, right? And when I go and look at the AMR and then everyone shoots me down, it's like, okay, what kind of experience am I going to have? What type of personal thing am I looking for? Um, whether it's a self-sufficiency, a, you know, I'm doing this. And I think that I started off with that FOMO thing. There's a little bit of the FOMO going, man, everyone's going to have a pretty amazing experience. And I don't want to use the word life-changing. I want to use uh, life-improving. Like it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to add one more layer to my life of something that's going to help meld me is who I am, right? So I'm, I don't want to dramatically change, but I want to add another layer. And I think that doing this collectively, although separately, will allow us to have a dialogue around it. And that's one thing that I'm interested to hear about from you, Stephen. Last time it was just you. So you had no one you could relate to, no one you could talk to afterwards. No one has any idea. Like, I can't relate to the experience you had, right? Yeah, yeah. that was uh, complete, just the definitely unknown, just staring into the oblivion of it was... I think part of the reason I did it, um, and not the reason I want to redo it. So yeah. But but now we get a scenario where we get a we get a, even though we're not racing together. I'm like, man, we get to share in that conversation. Yeah. So so after there'll be these conversations and dialogues, and it's a shared experience, although not together. And I think for me, that really was the most enticing thing. Yeah, there's some self discovery. There's some of these other things, but it's like, man, this shared experience that we're going to be talking about for who knows the next 10, 15 years of like, we did this thing and it's still kind of mind boggling. Like the distance doesn't sound crazy. You're like, okay, 750 miles, you break it down. It's like, it doesn't sound like astronomically insane, but then, you know, you think about it and it's like, it's pretty astronomically insane. My favorite, my favorite way of relating this experience is I'm going, you ride the first day and you go, I'm going to ride tomorrow. And then you get up tomorrow and you go, I'm also going to ride tomorrow, the next day. And then you get up the next day and go, I'm riding the next day and also the next day and maybe the next day. Uh, and and you just like hits you in waves that like, this is an extremely extended experience, uh, unlike any other way that I've ridden a bike. You know, it's always over today or tomorrow. And in this one, nah, someday it might be over. And that's a really interesting <laughs> way to ride a bike. Yeah, so, I mean, what's the most anybody days is ridden in a row? Like, you, obviously, with AMR last year, you had a bunch in a row. Was it? Yeah. At, at an intensity. I don't mean, like, riding in a row. Obviously, riding to work, and there's those right. kinds of things. I mean, no, but, like, 
there's an intensity. It's not like you're just out there casually pedaling. You have a heavy bike, so you have to put effort into it every day, right? Yeah, and, and I don't know, Ashley. I don't know, like I don't know how you train for that experience other than just doing it. Like you, you just can't do. really. Yep. You can do a bunch of big rides, but you can't really. Yep. Really prepare yourself for. I'm going to ride my bike for 20 hours no i i people always think that maybe i'm I'm out there riding like you know five plus 10 hours a day actually no i typically only ride an hour and a half to three hours a day you know once so once on the weekend i might go four or five or six but that experience of just keep going it's a different headspace you know and for me the arkansas high country race was definitely the longest i've done seven days because across andes took me five days and 20 hours those, you know, wasn't six. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Colorado trail race was also five days. So it just day after day after day, you, you, you can't train for it. it. You just, you have to be in the moment. You know, it's, yeah. you, you need to be, you need to, you need to approach it in a stoic manner of like, think about what could happen bad. It might happen. It might not. <laughs> Just keep going, you know. And my, then after my a while, mental word I'll... for that is deflect. Anytime the bad thought comes into my head, like I tell myself, and I did, I do this a lot in cycling, but also life. I just I immediately say the word deflect because it's a mental power. That's yeah. true. Right? Because if you th- think the bad thing, then it could happen. You look at the rock when you're descending on something, and if you look at the rock, you hit the rock, right? And I think it's the same thing here. You just go deflect. That's true, but I, I'm I'm the type of person that likes to consider all of the possibilities. You bunny hop the rock? Are you saying you bunny hop the rock? <laughs> I like yeah. I or I'm gonna you know huck the rock, get on the rock. <laughs> no, I, I just like I, to I totally I cannot like wait to, to ride everything. with Ashley. This is gonna be yeah, amazing. I'm not, I'm not saying that I focus on the negative. I'm just I just like to think about what what if. You know, how would I handle it? Would I be okay? And then when it, when it doesn't happen, when it comes, I'm more prepared. That's all I do. But I will tell you one thing on these long races, the days just kind of fade together before you know it. It just feels like it was really one big day on the bike. Mm. Mm. (laughs) One big day. (laughs) Big day on the bike. A big, big, (laughs) a many big, um, cool. Uh, I mean, are you okay, Peter? I'm going to have to go. You're going to have to. It's, All right. it's been awesome. Cool. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Um, we'll thank do you. more. Yeah, we'll be better prepared. chapter one of many. Yeah. <laughs> to, to wrap up the thought with Peter, the, there are a couple of us going on a bikepacking trip this weekend. It's your yep. first one, Peter. It's my first one. So, I mean, maybe some final thoughts going into this bikepacking trip, and I think it'd be interesting to hear some of the afters because this is this yeah, is like – Yeah, it's good. This That's why we rushed it, right? to do this today was so that we could get uninitiated Peter's unfiltered thoughts, <laughs> unfiltered thoughts about not having yet bike packed at all. Cause yeah. there's been a lot of discussions about this prep. There's been at first some nervousness and be like, Oh, I'm just going to bring two meal packets in a bar. Cause it's yeah, two nights. Right. And- <laughs> yeah. Oh, you gotta, oh, eat, you gotta kinda, eat more than that. Just kind of, just kind of, <laughs> <laughs> just teasing you about that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot to learn about it. You know, I mean, there's a lot to think about uh, when you're when you're. When Where you're are you guys going? Moving into different. We're doing the Cocopelli. Oh. Yeah. Redemption arc. A nice story. <laughs> Actually finishing it. Yeah, we we didn't make it the first time. Uh, so the goal here is just to finish it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was. Yeah. Did you we get shut down by weather? Time, let alone fastest. <laughs> was it? Were you? Was it? Was it weather that shut you down the first time? Yeah, was, we, yeah, we kind of looked up into the LaSalle's and saw death. Yeah, um, I've had a, I, when I was doing across Colorado, 
I had a choice to make. I could either keep going and end up getting in snow with all my non-winter gear right. or call it. Yeah. I called it. <laughs> you yeah, I think we made the right choice because when we got back into Moab, the what we saw and that there was a group that um, got – picked up off of the LaSalle's because it was that bad, that wow. dangerous. Wow. And, uh, you know. And we got destroyed in our cars driving back to Denver. Wow. Uh, absolutely obliterated by the snowstorm. So it Smart. was a good call. Yeah. Um, uh, we are here to tell the tale. <laughs> so anyway, this is the first bikepacking trip yeah. for Peter. Yeah. And thoughts going in? Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it's just the unknown of uh, what, what it's going to be like to ride 50 plus miles a day on a fully loaded gravel bike. Um, which is very capable, by the way. Uh, but a lot of it comes down to gear, stuff that I didn't have. I had to buy a lot of stuff. I mean, like my bike train previously was on panniers and that kind of stuff, which you know really doesn't work uh, these days as well. So, um, so getting all the frame bags, you know, and there are a thousand options for everything. So, well, you know, do you do you do Reveille? Do you do this brand? Do you do you know Apodura? Do you whatever? Do you do home like custom bags if you're lucky enough? You know, like some of you guys but uh you know if you think ahead you can do custom which is cool but um yeah, and then if you think two years ahead you can do custom <laughs> <laughs> i know right but it, i mean it, there is just so there are so many details uh and at some point you just kind of have to say okay well i'm just going to bring as much as i can and i'll probably i'll figure it out and be fine and and uh you know you're going to be eating way uh th- some of your weight i mean my bike is going to be a lot lighter about it in the end of the trip so uh, i look forward to that <laughs> I like, I don't know, some of the impressions that I've had are, uh, there's, there are questions that come out like, what, what, what happens here? What do you do here? What do you do in this situation? And I like that there's no manual or rule book. And, and the only answer is, I don't know, we, we're just going to have to figure that out. Um, I don't know, what do you think we should do? Uh, and then, you, you know, you can Google around and find out what other people do. But it's very... Uh, just no rules, unwritten, figure it out, improvise. Um, that might be a barrier to entry, but I think more and more, you know, like bikepacking.com has so many resources for people who are just ready to fire up and get up on their own trip. But I remember when I was getting ready for AMR and I had never spent the night outside with my bike previous to the first night of that race. Um, I, you know, I just, I spent so much time Googling and researching gear and just being overwhelmed by, yeah. yeah. How do you, how does anyone deal with the amount of gear you have to buy or acquire? Uh, who can afford this sport? Um, this is absurd. Uh, and I think that's still somewhat true, by the way. Um, just like, what, what's that tiny ultralight stove cost? And, and what's that ultralight tent or sleeping bag or bivy? And why do I, you know, was this one going to condense and that one's going to breathe? It just, yeah. you got to fight your way through some of that just to have what ultimately becomes an extremely simple experience of just riding your bike all day and then finding a place to lay down, uh, you know, with some food and water. Um, but it, all this prep and angst is uh, <laughs> part of the fun. But a little bit over. I mean, the we've top. had chats back and forth about what food are we bringing for Cocapelli, and yeah. you know who has what. But back to just your gear selection. Yeah. Let alone like now that we have the gear, what goes in the gear, right. and how much water, and you know even planning. Which you know we're going to have to be aware AMR with the cities and whatnot. But with Cocapelli, it's a desert. You know some of these streams may not be flowing. What do we do? Like what's right. that going to look like? I think that's yeah. my favorite yeah. thing about bikepacking. Actually, is kind of geeking out on all of my gear choices and how each, you know, race or trip that you do, you're going to have different gear. You're going to take different things. And I, I, I just, I love that. I, I think it's the best part. Yeah, it's fun. And, and when you get over that hump, um, it's pretty great. I have 
a couple bins in my garage with the stuff in it. And I, I just kind of, honestly, when we did Cocapelli last time, it was two days before that I started, you know, slowly <laughs> gathering food. It showed. And going through my gear. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, but I knew it was all there and I wasn't reading blogs about what to do anymore. It was just, everything's fine. I've got it all. So it, that comes with with just one or two. And, and it is fun to watch other people that have seen sort of, especially in 2020, sort of tiptoe into bikepacking. Mm-hmm. And then they do their first little overnighter, you know, 20 miles out to the state park and sleep under the stars maybe by themselves. And then next thing you know, they're just banging them out, you know, monthly because uh, they got it. Um, it's it's a fun feeling of self-confidence uh, when you've, you're like, I've got this. I know how to do this now. So, Yeah. Looking forward to that feeling. Yeah, you'll have it. You'll have it. <laughs> we'll check back in. Cool. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, thanks for Peter's. Thanks everyone. Us, but I got, um, got to get to the hospital. You guys yeah. have a great rest of your morning and podcast. Right. Cool, thanks, Peter. Thank thanks. you, everyone. Uh, well, nice to meet you, Ashley. Nice to meet you too. Nice to e meet you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. We're gonna get you here in person again, Ashley, for one of these podcasts. I would love that. Uh, you just let us know when you're going to be uh, passing through Denver, and we will podcast around you. Uh, we'll just be like, mandatory, Ashley's in town. I to would love on that. One of these topics. It's still always mandatory, 6 a.m., though. Oh. I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, I guess I'm the last person for how did I get here. Yeah, um, I was going to say, we'd be remiss without hearing why Why go back. Like, what is, yeah. what's going to be different? You've already done it. So... Immediately after doing it, had zero intention of doing it again. Uh, and it's funny, that question comes up at the finish line with everyone because, you know, that whole tribe of bikepacking racer people uh, seems to know each other and, or, you know, a lot of them have run across each other at, you know, you know Trans Alps or TCR, or, you know, all these different, you know, I'll see you in, you know, Kazakhstan, you know, <laughs> and I was like, no, you won't. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I, this was this was amazing, like one of the best experiences ever, but also just so difficult, and it undid me. And uh, I think for many months after that, oh, it's, it was many months because we would ask on rides we were on, and I realistically was flabbergasted that you were so adamant, no, no. I mean, you were a, a flat out, no, I'm never doing it again. And I would look at you and be like, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you mean he's not doing it again? I'm I'm so confused. No, I think when the you know childbirth, uh, when the when the pain is fresh, you're like that. We're gonna have an only child, uh, and then at some point you're like, ah, it wasn't so bad. Maybe maybe the, maybe we could have a second child. Um, so it, it that fades. Like my hands healed. I couldn't use my hands for months, and uh, some of the emotional rawness of it, which I don't know, Ashley. I don't know. Like your disposition is so bright and it just looks like you're so mentally tough. And I wondered like, does she struggle? Because I struggled through AMR uh, and had some really just lonely, dark moments. And I wasn't really in a rush to revisit that feeling. Um, I actually hate being outside at night by myself. I hate it. I, I just think of home, I get lonely, all these things. So after finishing it, I just wasn't in you know, and it went well. It went well enough. Like, nothing blew up. I physically was able to complete it. Uh, I was happy with my result. And I kind of answered the question, am I capable of this? And I don't really like making awesome things routine. I think it might kind of strip them of being awesome and just make them just, you know, oh, this is the thing I do. Uh, so unless there's a new reason uh, or something fresh, um, then I won't go back. Um, so... 
as the months went on, uh, nothing, right? All the way up through uh, September and even into October, just nothing. But I think last year, as we all know, it was just a lot of being at home and a lot of not being allowed to do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get really cooped up and you just want to know, you know, is the world still out there? Are there really kind of raw experiences that can be even had anymore? And of course, the answer was still no. But registration did open for the race in October-ish. And, you know, it was all very hedged. Uh, everything that I read was, um, you know, look, we're going to do it. Uh, we're going to do registration and it might not work and there's a plan B. And it, at the time, I just thought, no, I, you know, I can't go back in February. I can't train through the winter again. I can't leave my family at home and go on a, on a trip to a warm place after they've been stuck at home for a year, in, you know, and it would still be the winter. Um, it, in, and it had taken a lot out of the family for me to go. So it didn't add up to even think about it. But I can't say that I, I didn't feel a sense of just sadness when um, everybody started signing up and talking about how excited they were and then starting to have the discussions about what are you going to do, what's this, what are you going, you know, what tent. And I just thought, oh, I remember that excitement, and that was amazing, and I, I, I missed it. So, but I, you know, again, not, not going to happen. But I kept an eye on maybe if, maybe if it's deferred, October is so much better because you don't have to get up at 6 a.m. when it's, you know, 12, 18 degrees out and go try and put in, you know, 40, 50 miles before work. Uh, you, you can just ride your bike all summer and get into some pretty great shape just because summer is warm and the days are long. So the idea that it wouldn't really take as much out of family, weekends, mornings, evenings, uh, and all that associated misery of cold temperatures just seemed like you could get ready for this race uh, more efficiently and with less drama. And that was kind of cool. And then I thought, honestly, that gives the pandemic more time uh, to uh, you know evolve and hopefully improve. And as we all saw, things got a lot worse with the pandemic through the holidays uh, into the early part of the year. And, you know, Nelson had to call it. Um, good, good call. And, and I, I think by February or whenever he made, or just even maybe January that he made the call, right? He didn't do it on race day because everyone had to reschedule. By then, I think I was over all of the difficulty of it and just thinking, about all of the things that I wish I had done better uh, the first time around because I didn't know anything about bikepacking or racing. Um, and, I, and that's a reason to go back, just that question of can I make fewer mistakes and could I get better at this discipline um, and be more efficient? So, you know, in the exact same shape, so to speak, could you do it quicker just by not fiddling with your tent for a half hour every night and not, you know, this and not that and not going off course or, you know, having a GPS panic, just all these really small things that could add up to hours or even a day. Um, so, I don't want to win. I don't care about, you know, placing. I just care about, again, it's a personal question of, I wonder, I wonder what I, you know, learned uh, and then what I could improve on. And that's a really fun question is any kind of person or cyclist or athlete is, how could I improve? Uh, I like that course. I like the terrain of Morocco uh, is, um, you know, I don't have to have these fears about wild animals and things because it's such a desert. Uh, so it's a comfortable place to maybe try and improve. Uh, and then as it kind of came into focus, it was 
it was right there on in the back of my mind of if I can if this gets moved, I'm going to mention it to, to 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 some people that I know and see if I could share this experience with with part of my you know personal friend posse uh, and that's a reason to go back. I just can't imagine how fun it it will be to just all get to Marrakesh and be at the hotel and sit outside and be nervous together, you know, around a table and eat food and be and freak out. Uh, and then, you know, it says go. And I just have all these like, you know, passing each other in the middle of the night and like, wow, you look terrible. <laughs> like, how, what'd you think of that pass we just did? Um, like, and then the, you know, even the finish line of like, you know, I thought about what are the odds we'll all make it, which there, you know, there's higher odds that we won't all make it, but just mm-hmm. in like those stories of like what happened out there and, you know, contrasting your experience with people that you know, which was one of my favorite things about the first time was just the finish line. I was there for a couple of days and just talking to everybody else about these amazing things that they had happen. But to do that with your friends and people you know, uh, and to be able to do it for years to come with your friends was like pretty next level. Um, so <laughs> the race is almost secondary. <laughs> it's interesting because I never really thought about odds of not making it. Like, I just expect that we're all going to make it. What's this whole odds bullshit? <laughs> I, I, pragmatism. Just like, you know, the most prepared rider can have their free hub body shear off. You know, it's like, you know, you just don't know. You can't control it. So you have to be very just the current's going to carry me. The longer um, the race, and, the more uncontrollable variables. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still very confident that we're all going to make it. I, I, don't, I don't have this. Well, it's a solid crew of people that I've gotten in bad situations with uh, previously, and Ashley just has all the chops in the world. So you're being yeah. stoic. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's okay. Um, it's okay. And that my wife asked me that. She, you know, she couldn't believe I wanted to go back. And and a, a really close friend that I told first out of anyone that I wanted to go back pretty much spit up his coffee uh, and was like, "I know you. That sucked." Why do you want to do this again? And I was like, I'm, you know, I, you know, I, I can't God. fully explain myself. I, I feel like I feel like it's it's totally was it was it Mark Twight? You know, it doesn't have to be fun to be fun, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, these feelings it doesn't have of, to be of, fun of, to be good. It's, it, it, you know, <laughs> the feeling of pushing yourself beyond limits that you de- you never knew that you could do. And it's in, in our world that we live in now, we don't always have these opportunities to be able to push ourselves to a limit. We just don't, we live in this like happy little computerized world most of the time. And it's so, it's awesome to see the human spirit in action and what we are so capable of. And I think that, you know, even though I, I think about the Colorado trail race for me. I ran out of food between Buena Vista and Silverton. I was hearing voices, you know, just like, I mean, I was out, <laughs> I was out there wow. like, <laughs> but, but when I finished it, I remember I'm never going to do that again. I kind of, I said the same thing. And then I thought, no, 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 no. That was the first time in my life where I ever really, I was out there alone and I had to think on my feet and I had to push myself to a, to a limit. And I loved that. And I, I think that it, like, I think that's so awesome that you are you're coming back to do better because you will do better because you've got you've got the experience under your belt. You know that you've been to those dark places. But the thing is, you know that you can get out of them and you know that you'll do well. And that that is the beauty right there. And that is bikepack racing. That is bikepacking. 
Sounds like there's a lot of grit coming from Ashley. I like yeah, it. Yeah. A lot of grit. I mean, like, if I ever see you during the race, Ashley, low odds. I I genuinely expect that you're going to sort of disappear into, you know, the front. Oh, uh, you but never if know. I ever see you, I just, I hope I, I hope I get to see, just because you have a lot of positivity and I might be like, and you'll be like, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. Let's push. Yeah. So that my husband- <laughs> and I'll be like, Yes, like I needed this. <laughs> My husband. So I'm, and I I'm getting trouble. the sense that we got we spring trouble. chicken in Ashley, right? We've yeah. got Energizer Bunny in Nick. <laughs> We've, oh, yeah, may, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe a Berber camel in Peter, right? Like, <laughs> so I took yeah. my husband then, to Costa Rica, and we did this bikepacking trip in Costa Rica. It was beautiful. It was fun. And I rode my fat bike, you know. And I'm like, I'm going to ride my fat bike, fat Delberts. It's going to be great. This was about two years ago, or maybe last year. I don't remember. Anyway, I, we were sending pictures to the in-laws, and there was <laughs> my my father-in-law goes, Ben's not having a fun time, Ashley. You're happy all the time, but I think you really need to help your husband out <laughs> because he just wants yeah, to yeah. say it was like two different experiences. <laughs> but you know what? He wants to go back. Oh, interesting. So I got a very important question from that. So the fat bike's name is Fat Dilbert. Is that oh, what I heard? Oh, yeah, Fat Dilbert. And what's the name of the donkey? Oh, no, it is. Well, that's a whole other podcast. What's everybody riding? Yeah, that's um, oh, that's much. This but is, what's the name? We got we got you got to drop the name on us. Oh so no! You know oh, I just I just call him my my donkey. Yeah, <laughs> mine, mine too. <laughs> 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 Some people name their donkeys. And how, how could it's you? The donkey. donkey is the donkey. I I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that yeah. bike. That is definitely the bike I will be riding, and I'll be riding it in a race coming up in Virginia. I'm excited about that one. It's gonna be good. Cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good lead-in. I mean, we now know kind of we got we got the stage set. Everyone's doing it. Ashley's got plenty of uh, prep under her belt. A couple of us are doing Coca Pelli again this weekend, so that'll be fun as a little prep. And um, yeah, yep. yeah. I think we've got a a perspective of, of why everyone is doing this. The stage is set. The players are known. <laughs> Ooh, that's so dramatic. It's like a movie trailer. <laughs> we'll get a game, Michael a to game post. of Clue. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, yeah, uh, I think that is a good one. And so, you know, on uh, there's there. I don't know how many of these we'll do, but let's just say four to a half dozen or whatever. I it was it is. like 53. as many as we want. Honestly, it doesn't matter. It's a podcast. Uh, but I, I, you know, I'd love to talk about you know food, uh, the course, uh, gear. Uh, really interesting conversation about gear and bikes. What's the right bike for that course? Uh, you know, we, I saw a lot of reactions at the finish line of, quite honestly, some very happy people and some very angry people. Um, and, uh, you know, that relates to all of us. Um, yeah, and experiences that we have, training. Um, yeah, and I, I it, one thing that I think would be interesting is is I know the map so intimately. It's just burned into my head. So just kind of maybe contrasting and and kind of sharing some intel with everybody about you know things that you can expect um or you know just filling in some blanks um i didn't look at the map really but i tried to like look at it on google earth uh before i did the race the first time and it was all honestly it just looked like mars and i was like there's really nothing to be gained from looking at this map um didn't know what was coming uh had had read the manual but didn't reread it you know, uh, before, this is embarrassing. Just all, but uh, <laughs> the truth so, comes so out. I just went in with some vague ideas of like I think there's a big plateau on day two. 
Uh, and there's a waterfall with a crazy guy that will make you an omelet at some point. And, um, but uh, knowing now how important it is to just maybe look at the map. <laughs> look at the map and think about some things. And, and I saw, you know, Jay and James um, making really interesting decisions about where they would stop and rest and when to save it and when to spend it, that type of thing, that I thought, wow, there's so much to learn here from pacing and, and studying. Well, so. I think that goes back to Nick's five hours going into it, and I spent a significant amount of time, and a lot of that time going into it was, what's it look like? Like, where am I going? And, and again, this will, we'll, we'll carry it to another podcast, but uh, my experience already has been different than yours in that just in the prep before I even filled out that application was a lot of, what's the logistics of this going to look like? Yeah. Because for me, the logistics part is equating to my preparedness and being ready and being efficient, especially after hearing some of the challenges you had with efficiency. Yeah. Yeah. A lot to learn there. You don't need a tent with poles, people. Uh, I, you know, unless you do, but <laughs> I mean, unless you want it, right? Right. <laughs> like there are faster ways to spend the night for a couple hours. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, I think that's, yeah, that's a good intro to everybody. Uh, Ashley, thank you for, for, Yeah getting up, rustling up before. Did you beat the chickens? I don't know. Oh, they're, um, they're still, I've been having to lock them up in the coop because the animals are coming eating them at night if I don't. Oh, man. So they're still okay. locked up in there, but they're, I can hear them cackling at me to let them out. <laughs> cool. We'll let, we'll let you let them out. And uh, yeah, we'll be back uh, with episode two of, I don't know, The Road to Morocco. <laughs> that's, that's the name, The Road to Morocco. The trail, the burrow trail. Yeah, there are so many donkeys in Morocco. I just want to say thanks for including me in this, guys. I, you know, I, yeah. I'm really thankful for that. I, it means a lot. You're our best hope. So, <laughs> don't, know, our only hope. No pressure, Ashley, no may pressure. The, <laughs> may the force be with you. Yeah. May the force cool. be with you, too. <laughs> All right. Okay, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Uh, before signing off, I think we do need a shout out, Michael, for yep. mixing. Yep. Um, so, Michael, big thank you for for always mixing promptly. Yeah. And and dealing with our multiple file types. And yeah. And thanks to Quinny for our our just timeless intro music and outro music. Yeah. I think even if it's a sub series, we can keep it. This is the Rodeo Podcast. <laughs> Studio Audio.